Hello, and welcome to another edition of No Lies Paranormal Podcast, where three nerdy paranormal investigators sit down and discuss spooky stories from the web. My name is Joe. I am the lead investigator. My name is Teresa. I am a historian and researcher. And my name is Alex. I am the equipment center upper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have the same... It's kind of lackluster yeah, a little bit. Yeah, agreed. Sorry, you tell me to step up my game. It's fine. I'll do no, it. no, no, no. <laughs> I was just saying. All right, so uh, I don't... I don't believe we have any announcements this week. Uh, um, we did, in fact, um, book our reservations for Madison Seminary. Ah, yes. Uh, it's going to be in January, in the middle of January, um, for my birthday. Yay! Um, but, yep, booked, ready to go. We'll uh, let you guys know ahead of time. And, uh, Which I, I believe means January 20th would be that Saturday? Indeed, you do. But yes. we're not doing Saturday. We're doing Thursday. Why would we do that? Well, because it's booked, remember? Yeah, it's booked. <laughs> Doesn't give a reason why, it's just booked. We have to do what we have to do. I don't remember exactly. I'll look into it. Point of the story is it's booked, it's ready to go. Uh, we're also working on the bookings for the other two places. Um, most definitely um, for uh, Louisville, Kentucky. We want to go back and hang out <clears throat> uh, there. And then we're possibly thinking about going to West Virginia. Um, West by God. I don't know what this possibly thinking bullshit is. Like, we're going. It's really, really expensive. We'll see what happens, but we're certainly going to try. I did already talk to the owners about uh, potentially booking the date we were looking at, though. So You mean the 13th? Correct. Yeah. We will. Oh, no, we're going see. to that. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I don't know how, but we will. My birthday cooperated and was on a Saturday this year, so... (laughs) (laughs) Mine did not. (laughs) To be fair, Joe's didn't either. It's like the day before or the day after. I don't know. Yeah, mine's, mine's, uh, I believe, a Sunday this year. But either way, yeah, so... I don't really look up on my birthday at all. I'm I'm looking forward to my golden Buckeye card at this point, all right? Listen, I also don't... I, I don't necessarily look for my birthday. I just... When I'm... Planning investigations, I look on what day it is. Right, yeah. And we are still munching on those cookies, Corey. Thank you. Um, appreciate that. Hey, it's red velvet cake cookies. I, like, I'm not going to munch on that. That's chocolate insane. chunks. I mean, come on. It's, That's just insane. It's the bee's knees. Yeah. So anyway, today... Yeah. Thanks, Seabear. <laughs> we are covering the R3 research hauntings in the great state of uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, and I gotta say, I didn't expect Wisconsin to be like that. Weird and wonderful Wisconsin. Yeah, it, yeah. it's got some crazy stuff happening down there. It right? does. It's clearly a paranormal place that eventually we should get to. Yeah. Right. Like, so I mean, ghosts be damned. That's only part of it. Yeah. I read stuff about haunted cemeteries, haunted cryptids. buildings, so many cryptids, yeah. tons of cryptids. Like y'all got a lot going on there. Yeah. yeah. Listen, you find top ten haunted lists, and Wisconsin might have been the first place where I found like a top ten cryptids list. Yeah. Right. I was like, wait. Right. Like, <laughs> you got that many cryptids? Didn't cool. see that coming. Yeah, because uh, I mean, yeah. again, haunted roads. I don't know what's happening with America's roads, but dear God. Right. But yeah, no, I like it just. All the other states we looked up, I didn't see this much activity. I saw some of it, and you know, I saw the same things I mean, over and over. definitely haunted yeah, stuff. Yes, but in this one, I saw this... It, it, normally, when you look up, like, top 
haunted places mm-hmm. and all that. You see the same things on every list. Yeah. This one had different things for every list that I saw. Yeah, yeah. So, so there, like, there were tons. What is going on in Wisconsin, you guys? Are you guys okay? Yeah, because <laughs> I want to believe that you're not, and you need a safe word. Yeah. Correct. And not pineapple. No. <laughs> no, it's called Ghostbusters. Right, right. <laughs> Who are you going to call um, us? Yeah, because I couldn't find one that actually wasn't investigated by a ghost hunting team. Yeah, so as a matter and of fact, Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee. Yeah. This is a very, very large group. I have um, borrowed some of their information straight off of their webpage for mine tonight. Right. So I am going to be sending a shout out and definitely putting their post up um, with their website and some of their information. But these guys, these guys, for starters, whomever is writing the webpage is a phenomenal writer um and they have done some really really awesome awesome cases randolph county asylum uh general Asselstone's mansion old blackford county jail uh my place lots of others lots of others granger house uh old lake county jail octagon hill civil war museum and like crazy shit so these guys are they seem pretty awesome they seem pretty legit and one day maybe we'll hook up with them and we'll go out to milwaukee and uh do some of our own investigating with these guys no that'd be really cool because half the stuff i read on wisconsin i kind of want to visit there right well i mean i've been there just passing through right right i want to actually stop and hang out for a while but that was before i got into ghost hunting so i was just like ooh, scenery Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, jump in. Shout out to uh, Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee. I appreciate your research done, and uh, I borrowed a little. I hope you don't mind. Yeah. I don't think they do because it's free advertisement. It's on the website. Yeah. (laughs) That, and let's be friends. Anyway. Yeah. So, all right, let's jump into the stories. You guys ready? Yeah. Joe, why don't you go ahead and kick us off tonight? Okay, so... Like I said, upon looking into the stories and everything, and I've been insanely busy with work, so I really didn't have time to look into a lot of it. Like, I'd skim it and do all that, but this one just caught my eye because it was actually on TV. It Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, no okay. It was back in the 80s. It was one of the originals. It was in the first season of it. That's cool. So I'm like, all right, it's the Tall Man House episode. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So... No, I know I said this before and you yeah, mentioned I, something, I got so there's a, a lot of other things going in. There, clearly, yes. But this one focuses on the house and things that were actually happening. And upon reading this story, it was just insane. So in a nondescript house in quiet Larrabee Street in Horicon, Wisconsin, which, if I pronounce that right, that's a horrible name to live in. Horicon? Yeah. 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 Uh, was a setting of a, bleh, of a bizarre haunting that shocked the town and captured the attention of the world. It even piqued the interest of producers of Unsolved Mysteries who were looking for ghost stories in the first Halloween episode of their new series. What better story than the lurid tale of Wisconsin's own Amityville Horror? A church-going Midwest family driven from their home by an unspeakable evil seemingly attached to a bunk bed they purchased at a second-hand shop for their young children. You guys heard this story? Well, I, gotta learn you to do that. Right. I personally have heard this story because I am still and was then a, a Unsolved Mysteries junkie. Right. I, I think we all were. Like, yeah. I still hear that, that the music and, and the I voice coming out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, it, this story was documented at the time in a Milwaukee Sentinel paper. Uh, journalist James B. Nelson, author, the author of Haunted America and Unsolved Mysteries, are chilling. The Tallman family bought the bunk beds in 1987 and strange things began happening almost immediately. 
mysterious illnesses. A radio in the kids' room began switching stations on its own. Uh, the children saw an ugly old woman in the room with long black hair and a glow like fire. Doors banged open and shut, and chair rocked it. A chair rocked by itself. Disembodied voices come out from empty rooms, which, as normally, you got a poltergeist on your hand mm-hmm. when stuff like that happens. That's normally what that means. Uh, the family soon decided to bring their pastor, Reverend Wayne Dubratz. Weird last name. After a walkthrough, he said he felt a presence of the devil in the home and blessed it. But the activity continued. The kids soon became so scared that they no longer wanted to stay in the house. Frustrated one day, Alan, the father, walked in the house, shouted at the top of his lungs, Pick on me, leave my kids alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Famous last words. Uh, the next day, which whatever entity was inhabiting the home accepted the challenge. Uh, Alan heard a voice from the garage saying, come here. When he went to investigate, he saw the orange glow of fire inside with red eyes staring at him through the garage windows, the the garage door's windows. Uh, Later, while sleeping in his bed with his frightened children, Alan witnessed a fog rise out of the floor and it formed a shape of flames with green eyes peering out of him and a voice voice came out of it saying, you're dead. And it was gone. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A few days later, on January 11th, 1988, a relative of the family spent the evening at the house uh, helping Debbie with the children and while well, the husband worked late. Because uh, families back in that day, they did that kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh, however, she was a little bit of a skeptic. <laughs> so, I'm guessing she's not anymore. <laughs> no, it literally says that night she became a believer. Um mm-hmm. Apparently, a horrific figure materialized in the bedroom as they were putting the children to bed. Uh, after nine long months of this torment, the Tallman family finally fled their home <coughs> fled their home that night in the dead of Wisconsin winter. Which, I've been in Wisconsin when it was a winter. It's cold as hell. Yeah, it's pretty cold. So, just to be like, nah, I'm done with that. That, that, that had some serious going on there. Uh, that was a Monday night. By the end of the week, the town was whispering about the bleeding walls, furniture flying around the house, a hole in the hole to hell in the basement, and apparently a ghost-powered snowblower that cleaned the driveway all by itself. I'm cool with that. I kind of want that. Yeah. That, that would works. save a lot of time. That works uh, for me. The media quickly descended into the otherwise sleepy town uh, alongside a horde of curious thrill-seekers. Ghost rumors had swept through the crowd at the Friday night basketball game at a local high school. Barrett J. Brunsman wrote in the April April 1988 edition of The Quill, hundreds of cars swept towns LeBray Street past the Tallman home. People walked through the yards of the other nine houses on the blocks, climbing over fences, peering into the windows. Drunks even showed up. They, I guess they weren't afraid of no ghost. Well, you know. Throw to your ghost center, or Ghostbusters thing. I mean, I guess when I'm inebriated, I ain't afraid of much either. Right. Like courage. Right. <laughs> Which I never try to ghost on when I'm drunk. Cause that's oh, gosh. Don't do that. That's yeah, bad that's juju. bad juju. Uh, they even tried the doors and windows to get in, but the police showed up, uh, ordered the drunks to get away, uh, and said people would be arrested if they don't stop. Uh, apparently, that didn't stop some people, so there was arrest. <laughs> they had to make a barricade to get people away from the house. That's insanity. So whether that was just that night or it was a continuously all week, they never said. Uh, a drunk guy even showed up with a Bible intent on performing an exorcism on the home. Uh, sadly, he was unable to attempt it 
because the police arrested him for driving drunk. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, poor guy, he's just trying to do the right thing. Got yeah, I agree. Uh, but the reverend actually showed it. He returned to the home in hopes of inciting whatever evil had taken up residence there. Uh, the police chief, um, Doug Glamon, uh, he didn't think the house was haunted at all, but apparently upon listening to the family stories and listening to the reverend himself, believe, he believed what mm-hmm. they thought they saw. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, I don't really believe in this, but I believe you saw something. Um, yeah, he, this, this reverend brought in a whole bunch of people, a parapsychologist, um, a medium. He brought a whole bunch of people to it. Uh, and they were granted access to the house. Uh, he had, uh, and apparently, they recorded everything, but everything was kept secret after that. Well, normally, Until, normally priests, when they start getting involved yeah. in stuff, they yeah. it all gets hush-hushed. Yeah. Until later on, uh, this woman named Allison Jordalin. Uh, was granted access to the files of this Dr. Mueller. Since he had passed away, she was granted access to it. Uh, And apparently, upon going through all his stuff, she found pictures that he took after the investigation. Uh, But never released it. (laughs) Never said anything about it. So who knows what's on those pictures because they never said anything about it. And apparently, the family got rid of those bunk beds and... Nothing ever followed them. So the story that I heard was that the family actually um, actually paid to have the bunk beds destroyed, yeah. dismantled. Yeah, they destroyed. took it to a, a yeah chop shop, and much. it went bye bye yeah. forever. Yeah, and uh, I heard that after the bunk beds basically got buried in a landfill, um, there was never another haunting of that house again. No, and it never followed the family. Right. So it makes sense that it was the bunk it was beds. totally the bunk beds, but. Here's my question, because here's a hole in the story that I found. In order to get rid of a cursed object or something like that, you have to do some... Don't you have to do some, like, rituals um, on it or something yeah, like that? It's certainly recommended. You can't it's, just destroy it, and it just goes it's away. It's most definitely recommended that you bind the spirit. Right. So, it never said that they did that. It just said that they paid to have it taken away and destroyed. Yeah. So, was it actually the bunk beds? You know, questions I don't have answers to. This is one of those funky right. subjects. That and that's we're why not I said sure there's some holes in the story there because they said they got rid of the bump beds and it went away after that. It never experienced anything. So I mean, is the landfill that it's buried in now haunted with a demon? Never heard that either. Right. So but then again, who really goes if they didn't buy it? You know, hanging out and just in the destroyed landfill. it. That doesn't make sense. That something. It, it would make sense that the landfill is still haunted. Sure. With that being. I would agree. But no reports from that landfill have ever been filed. So either it's not happening there or the workers of the landfill are like, nah. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> deal with it. Ignorance is bliss. Exactly. <laughs> Ignorance is um, bliss. Yeah, so I found that very interesting. And like I said, there was a bunch of myriads of other stories that I could have went with and found. But that one to me was like, that's interesting because you can actually go back and watch the video of it. You have to find it on YouTube. But, or if you got it on DVD, like some people do. Um, yeah, you can actually go back and watch it because they said they did some reenactments on there, which Unsolved Mysteries did that. Yeah. But I just found it very interesting that they were, said they got rid of it, but did no ritual bindings or anything, whatever, 
to get rid of it. Then again, though, I mean, they didn't necessarily say who they asked to get rid of it. So, correct. Maybe it was done correctly. Who knows? Um, yeah, we don't know. Also, the portal to hell in the basement. I have issues with portals to hell. No. Not the show. Most, the show's fabulous, Jack. I love you. Most people get it misconstrued. Like, you see something and it doesn't make sense in your first mind. Your first thought in your mind goes to, it's a portal to hell. Yeah. Sorry, I have a cookie in my mouth. Yeah, um, I told you they're good cookies. They are good cookies. <coughs> oh, I love them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, when they said there was a portal to hell in the basement, nothing was ever said about that. Interesting, isn't it? It just sounded like something that they just kind of threw in there to make it more spooky. Well, I mean, they do stuff like that with a lot of different places. Oh, there's a portal here. Really? Really? Show me. Well, I mean, yes, a lot of it is misconstrued, and a lot of people misjudge or misguess on something like that, but mm-hmm. there are some cases where a portal to hell did show up, like I, in the forest and all that. I like that it's always a portal to hell, though, and not just like a, a, yeah. a, a hole in the veil. You know Agreed. what I mean? Agreed. I like that. No. Yeah, no, like we've, we've talked about that plenty of times on there. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's my story for this week. I love it. That's pretty awesome stuff. Haunted bunk bed. Terrorizing children. Right. It, that's what made me kind of look at it because I was like, I had bunk beds growing up. <laughs> me too. <laughs> they were creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's messy. The hurt. They hurt. true. So, well, I love it. They I hurt because it. when you're a kid and you're afraid of the dark. And you flip the light off real quick to jump into the bed. Oh. And you misjudge it and rake your back across the top bunk. Yeah, that hurt. Oh, screw that. <laughs> that sounds like an awful thing. Mm-mm. Did it twice. Oh, no, thank <laughs> you. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm special. <laughs> I'm good. I love it. So, uh, yes, awesome. So, I am actually taking you guys right to the center of Milwaukee. Um, I am referencing uh, three different websites here. The first of which I really, really loved, and I already kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, Paranormal Investigations of Milwaukee. It's uh, www.paranormalmilwaukee.com. Nobody knows how to spell Milwaukee, but it is M-I-L-W-A-U-K-E-E. Will not remember that. No, but that's okay. Anyway. I'm also referencing hauntedhouses.com, who has a a link to this particular uh, place as well. And they are always a huge source of information for me. So I love these guys. I love what they've put together. (coughs) And then, of course, uh, Wikipedia. Make sure you donate. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm going over uh, Brumder Mansion. Brumder Mansion is actually a really interesting place. So it was um, originally constructed um, in 1910. So let's start at the beginning, though. Mr. George Brumder. This man um, was a German-American newspaper publisher and businessman who immigrated to Wisconsin from his birthplace in, uh, actually in France, very, very close to the German border. Um, he established the largest publishing company of German-American materials in the U.S. He was um, one of a lot of children. I believe that his parents had 16 children, and he was the 15th of the 16. So he was pretty much like the bebe. Um, anyway, so one of his older sisters, she was uh, fixing to get married to a Lutheran minister who lived... Um, 
not super far in Helenville, Wisconsin. And she was going to immigrate there to marry him and start her life, etc., etc. Well, at this point, uh, George was uh, fresh 18 years old. It was 1857. He decided that he was going to go to Wisconsin with his sister. So they get down there, and George, you know, they they do the wedding, the whole nine yards, and George says, okay, great, guys, I am going to go to Milwaukee, the big, huge, beautiful city, and I am going to start a life, and I am going to be something special. So he took a 45-mile journey to Milwaukee on foot, mind you. Mm, You go, man. I'm good. (laughs) And he became... Um, a crew member of Milwaukee's first streetcar tracks later became a foreman of that crew, uh, which it, it states is something he was incredibly proud of. He soon joined the Grace Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, where he met his wife Henrietta. Um, yeah, the two were married on July 16th of 1864, and they invested what money they had in a small bookstore on Water Street in Milwaukee. Uh, the bookstore did really, really good, but then uh, George decided he was adding a small printing department and a book bindery, and he began publishing books for the Lutheran Church. Um, around that same time, another German Protestant publishing company opened up. Um, it formed, they called it the Germania, um, and this is this is the, the company he took over, and he started publishing this magazine for yeah. basically the German immigrant population that was in the States, which I guess had a pretty huge foothold in the Milwaukee area. So very, very quickly, this man started establishing some crazy wealth. He climbed up the social structure, uh, became one of those people who, if you <laughs> want to know something about German Americans... You go talk to him. I don't know he why got into Chong just popped in my head. Right, he got into politics. He got into all kinds of awesome stuff. He really made a life for himself. Nice. He had lots of beautiful children, eleven of them to be exact. Uh, only seven of them, unfortunately, actually survived him and his wife. Um. Anyway, so in uh, nineteen ten. Uh, he decided that he was going to build Brumner Castle, which he was going to gift to his eldest son, uh, George Jr., and George's wife and three children. So he started commission on this just just amazing Gothic Victorian sort of beautiful architectural masterpiece of a mansion. <clears throat> which is not altogether uncommon because apparently Milwaukee is like lined in beautiful old mansions. Hmm. So and just architecture in, in general, exactly. Definitely a place yeah. to go. This place is three it's stories tall, eight thousand square feet, which you know he figured would give his son just a a lot of space for his family to grow over the years. Um, it says when it was finally finished, the grand total was an astounding twenty-five thousand dollars. Mind you, this was in nineteen ten, so massive amounts of money. Unfortunately, due to a very very sudden brain hemorrhage, um, George Brunder never actually saw the completion of the house that he was building for his son. He passed oh, the sucks. same year that the house was finished. Yeah, that sucks. yeah super suck. Uh, so his son, his son's wife, their three kids, 
one uh, they they moved into this house they flourished they absolutely loved it they ended up living in it for about 12 years during which time Henrietta whom was George's wife um, moved in with her her son and family one of the older sisters moved in there as well and everything was fantastic yeah. for the whole of the 12 years well Henrietta passed away um, I can't remember what year it was but point is when she passed away um, George Jr. and his wife they had been looking at another property and they really wanted to buy this other property I'm not real sure why if they were so happy in the family mansion but okay whatever it was on some big prominent street in front of a lake etc etc and they really really wanted to move into this place so they're like okay cool but we can't afford both of these estates which meant one of them had to go so he put it on the market and he searched and searched and searched for a buyer until finally he found a man by the name of Sam Pick uh, Sam and his brother Ed seemed to be fairly upstanding gentlemen you know well-spoken well-dressed had the money to buy the place had the money to upkeep the place definitely loved the architecture he really felt like this place this house was going to be in really good hands with this man so he's like okay cool you can buy this house so sam and his brother ed buy the house um and indeed while he owns it um it was extremely well taken care of um but what the devout lutheran brumner family did not realize is that they had sold their house to a man that they would have absolutely despised hmm. so exactly um sam was working setting up nightclubs and speakeasies and he had his hand in the black market with liquor and gambling and prostitution and he yeah. was on the payroll of al capone oh, nice. who also lived in milwaukee at yeah. the time yeah because i was going to do his house yeah but, see yeah. al capone's house yeah definitely uh the brumners uh obviously would have been ridiculously devastated about the fact that this man was living in their house so over the course of the years that sam owned the house he turned the basement into um sort of a gambling slash speakeasy and the upstairs floors were for prostitutes um lots of really 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 bad things happened in this house during this course of time yeah um it was still incredibly well taken care of that's for sure uh, but at at some point sam got another building and he opened up what would be known as club madrid club madrid was supposed to be like the golden star kind of awesomest nightclub on planet earth and he was ridiculously proud of it and he spent the majority of his time at this club while um the mob al capone's men kind of ran the house the mansion yeah. and while this was happening this is sort of when all of the really really terrible things happened in the home so there were uh, it was really unfortunate they listed it as overly aggressive clientele and <laughs> some of the prostitutes lost their lives yeah multiple of them actually yeah um, in the home, obviously. Pimpin' ain't easy. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to um, <laughs> uh, the mafia business took place downstairs with the gambling. 
there were um, lots of they don't have an exact number but there were lots of people that they believed were silenced or taken care of down in the basement of the home uh, or you know people who knew too much about different endeavors of the mob and drug smuggling and weapons yeah. and 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 typical nefarious exactly yeah. typical nefarious mobster kind of stuff um, so the lovely part about this is that all the while the county authorities um, absolutely knew that this shit was going down but as long as you could keep their pockets lined in money they looked the other way money talks bullshit walks exactly so these these on the take police officers were just super super easy to silence um after the repeal of prohibition uh, uh sometime past capone uh went to jail uh sam got behind on the mortgage because obviously prohibition and his business in general working with capone had gone kaput and with him being so behind on the mortgage the idea was that he was going to lose Club Madrid if he didn't sell the mansion in order to pay the bills for Club Madrid. So that's exactly what he did. So with that chapter of the Brunder Mansion closed, uh, the home actually switched hands and even purposes many, many times in the mid-30s. Um, it was a lie. It did a lot. So a company bought it. <laughs> They had this idea that they were going to break it apart, turn it into apartments, but then that idea fell through and it ended up getting used by uh, for rooms that were for rent for Marquette students, as well as there was um, a company, a big huge company nearby that the employees uh, rented rooms and lived there. Uh, 1948, Our Saints Lutheran Church purchased the mansion. Uh, <clears throat> not just the mansion, but the entire surrounding block. They turned the house into the parsonage and the basement was used for church activities like games and, and meetings and things like that. Uh, after the church uh, started what was called the Next Door Foundation in the late 1960s, Brumder Mansion became a place of positivity and hope for children and youth. The second and third floors got turned into office space. At some point, uh, the basement was turned into a Christian coffee house called the Catacombs, complete with live <laughs> music. It was part of the church's outreach program. That's mm -hmm. nifty. Over time... Um, Horrible the, naming, but... <laughs> uh, green. Over time, of course, the expense and the upkeep of such an incredibly old mansion became a little bit too much. At one point, the um, heating system completely went kaput, which caused frozen pipes to burst throughout the house. And basically, it just became a massive disaster area, no. and the church couldn't afford to do anything with it. So they put it on the market again. In 1996, uh, the house was saved for a total of $75,000 by Carol and Bob Hershey, um, who... Love your chocolate. Right? It's spelled weird. It's H-E-R-S-C-H-I. Mm. Right? So... Um, they actually completely modernized, upgraded, made it beautiful again, turned it back into its original sort of mansion status, um, and turned it into a bed and breakfast. And then the speakeasy in the basement, um, they actually turned into a bit of a playhouse. Uh, it had been a dream of Carol's for a long, long time to sort of have like a stage sort of playhouse type area. So that's exactly what they did with it. 
So super cool, and they called it the Cornerstone Theater. So the Cornerstone Theater did very well, but it was just kind of an underground little thing. Um, and then eventually, you know, people were coming, staying in the bed and breakfast, witnessing the hauntings, etc., etc. And over time, you know, they got a little bit older and they decided they were going to retire from the business. And they decided that they were going to put Brumder Mansion up uh, for sale. And it was actually purchased by a couple who had stayed there one time. Who just sort of, they were from California, but they had stayed there and they absolutely loved it. And they bought the place and it's still a and b and you can still go visit to this day. Hmm. So, yeah. good stuff. Um, hauntings. There's so much, it's ridiculous. So, for starters, four. Four of the Brumner children passed in the house. People have heard babies crying. They have heard the mother weeping. They have heard children screaming from the ones that, you know, got sick and that's how they passed. Yeah. Um, Suzanne, uh, who was the house manager... Lorraine, the housekeeper, there was a cook, members of Sam Pick's crew, Joe, Mike, and a three-year-old named Timmy, uh, Doug, and occasionally an Oscar and a Jimmy come up on EVPs um, with super intelligent responses, um, saying things like, you know, yep, work for Capone, or run and liquor. Um, a couple of them said things like, like, uh, get me a drink, or... Uh, play Make the music. <laughs> maybe, maybe you never know. <laughs> um, one of the young prostitutes, who was a fourteen-year-old girl, who was killed on the premises. They have seen her in her room at the top of the balcony, at the top of the stairs, coming down the stairs, um, multiple times, multiple places. She very rarely actually speaks, but they see her just sort of watching. Um, very, very often. Seen but not heard. Exactly. Uh, there's an Italian gambler in the room that they believe that they know who he is. Um, it was a prominent Italian figure who they did not name, but apparently he was a businessman, but he also really liked to gamble and really liked to drink, which during Prohibition you couldn't do either one of those things, so hanging out in this place as a speakeasy was the perfect place for him to be. Um, he did not die in the building, but he now spends his days there just kind of hanging around. Okay. Um, <laughs> former owners Elizabeth and her daughter Carolyn have both been heard um, on uh, EVP saying things. Um, there was a doctor who stayed in the building at one point who had turned one of, he stayed in one of the rooms and turned another one of the rooms into like his practice. He has been seen in the place many, many times. He's especially active during the fall, walking from what would have been his room to what would have been his office, um, back and forth. And, you know, you hear like little tools rattling and things like that. Um, other members of the Brumler family have visited who actually do give their names on EVP, so really these all of these spirits in this house are just extremely vocal, and five or six of them like to be seen, but don't say much. So it's it's kind of interesting how many actual hauntings are in this place. 
So you get you get a little bit of everything though. You get you get doors opening and closing, you get windows opening and closing, you get lots and lots and lots of voices and screams and cries and uh, thuds that sound like somebody's maybe like being slammed up against a wall or something. Um, all kinds, all kinds of crazy shit happens around this house. Uh, some of them don't seem so awesome. One of them, they, a guy in the basement named Joe. Uh, yes. Good right? <laughs> uh, Joe, they believe, was one of the guards of the place. He was called, they called him Joe the Enforcer when he was alive. Um, and Mike, who was his backup muscle, blah, 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 were both killed in the place. Joe was shot on the stairs uh, by the side door. He died in front of the bar. Uh, Mike was knifed in a secret tunnel that, of course, once the house was sold, uh, the mafia closed up that tunnel so that they couldn't get, people couldn't get anywhere else. But yeah, so Joe has been seen in the house and he has a very sort of large, looming, sort of overwhelming presence. Um, but they have actually asked him his name, and he has said that his name is Joe. So they're fairly positive that it's actually this guy. Uh, there's a Scottish man in the house, and money comes up missing. Uh, they will find it again. Sounds right. But that's, like That's assuming a lot. Well, <laughs> apparently, apparently Doug, the Scottish maintenance man... Uh, had been accused of stealing money while he was alive. Um, He has been found um, in the home, and they've also conversed with him in the catacombs below that have since been uncovered. Um, So, yeah. And then, of course, victims of crazy, crazy, deadly crimes have seemed to pass through the place. So it just seems like this place is ridiculously full (laughs) of unlife. Um, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily seem like any of it's really bad. So yeah. And then they have this whole documented thing uh, on, on, they say that uh, spiritual mediums and psychics have visited the house and um, they have, you know, documented what spirits they believe are who and why they're there and all this other stuff. So Even though I read up on it before I came. Right. Right. Can confirm. Doug is there. Right. <laughs> so yeah, Dougie. super Dougie. ridiculous, active bed and breakfast, and you can go visit anytime you're in Milwaukee. Sounds like an invite. Mm-hmm. Mayhaps. Yeah. Mayhaps is. Ah, nice. I like it. It is. It's. This. I am really, really digging these places with the solid history lately. I don't know. The history buff is digging the history. That's a shocker. That's a thing. <laughs> As I said last week, guys, there's your end. <laughs> right. Oh, you like this? Here. <laughs> yeah. Read this. You're good. <coughs> it's true. So what do you yeah. got for us, Al? Uh, so, um, as I stated previously, like <laughs> yesterday to you, uh, sometimes <laughs> you look across these places and it's kind of like, kicking a tree and then all of a sudden you find the one tree where you kick it and all of the apples fall out or it kicks back (laughs) well i i found the tree that all of the apples fell out of okay uh so about a half a million visitors from around the world uh make the pilgrimage to holy hill every year Mm. uh many of whom come for healing 
and leave their crutches and eyeglasses behind to attest to the land's strange power. Uh, it has been a bastion of the Catholic faith for over 300 years, but the legends of a murderous hermit, haunted cemetery, and acres of mystic forests where restless spirits and b- bizarre creatures like the Goat Man and the Bear Wolf roam. Hey, goat. I love that one, the Bear Wolf. Uh, speak to something darker at work. So, Holy Hill is the place that I've decided to do, and we can start with the Church of Miracles, is what they call it. Uh, so, surrounded by hundreds of acres of natural forest, forests, um, Holy Hill is a minor basilica of the Roman Catholic Church and the National Shrine of Mary, Help of Christians. Okay, so either way, uh, so yes, uh, minor basilica of the Roman Catholic Church and the National Shrine of Mary, Help of Christians. The tower is more than 289 feet over the forest floor and one of the highest peaks in southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, got its name from early Irish settlers, uh, but has since become known as Miracle Hill or the Church of Miracles. Um, the current structure that is on the hill was built in 1926. However, there were earlier structures that once stood at the site. Uh, so the earlier structure that once stood at the site was littered with crutches left behind by visitors who found healing on the mysterious summit. Uh, according to tradition, the hill was first discovered in 1673 uh, by a French-Canadian priest named Jacques Marquette, uh, along with an adventurer and fur trader, Louis Joliet. Um, local. I'm gonna butcher some native names, <laughs> right? Local Potawatomi and Menomini folklore tell of a black-robed chief who wore a crucifix and a rosary on his belt while he prayed on the big hill. Uh, in 1920, previous to just prior to this new uh, structure being built, uh, the Milwaukee Journal reported <coughs> Father Marquette in his journeying from the town of Mequon in search of the Rock River saw the hill from 15 miles away. It made its mystic appeal to him and the man of religion hastened to the top to rear a cross. <laughs> um, to this day, uh, reports of a black shadow figure walking around the grounds uh, have been cited, and it's supposedly uh, thought of as this Jacques Marquette guy. That guy sounds a little bit creepy. Um, a little bit. Now, that said... Uh, Another man who was once at this Holy Hill, Uh, we call him the Hermit of Holy Hill. Uh, (laughs) As a young man in France, Francois Subrio uh, had been studying for the priesthood when he met a girl and he fell in love. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fall of all good men. I was about (laughs) to say, this is going to go downhill after that. He publicly announced his engagement to her. He was banned from the church and brought disgrace upon his family. Uh, he decided to leave home for a while and let the controversy subside. Uh, he promised his love that one that he would return for her, but after a year, he arrived home to discover that she had been unfaithful. Uh, Subrio then murdered the girl in a jealous rage Jesus. and then fled to a monastery uh, oh. where he lived in penance as a monk. 
legend says that it was in that monastery that Subrio discovered the diary and map from Father Marquette's travels and followed it to the sacred hill where Marquette had constructed a stone altar, erected a wooden cross, and dedicated the site to be the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, there he would pay forgiveness for breaking his vow of chastity and for murdering his lover. Uh, sometime around the 1800s, an area farmer noticed a figure moving about in the moonlight one night on Holy Hill. Uh, the figure seemed to be performing religious rites, kneeling before the silhouette of a cross uh, for extended period of time before rising and disappearing into the woods. That figure was Subrio. Uh, so, On his travels to the hill, Subrio had contracted a disease that left him almost entirely paralyzed, but when he finally reached the hill, he was so determined that he crawled to the summit, where he spent the first night in prayer. The following morning, to his surprise, Subrio discovered that he had regained function in his entire body again. Uh, he had been miraculously healed at the top of the hill. Uh, that is when he decided to build the first chapel there, uh, where he remained for seven years. Uh, then the recluse vanished as mysteriously as he arrived. Um, now, that said, uh, it seems that he can be found in the haunted cemetery that is on the grounds. Uh, so the Carmelite Cemetery... Of is, course. <laughs> the Carmelite Cemetery is the burial ground for haunted hills care or for Holy Hills caretakers. Haunted Hill, Horry Hill, same thing. Same Hori, idea. Horry Hill. Horry Hill. Horry Hill. <laughs> Blaspheme, uh, a thousand Hail Marys. I got this. Yeah. Um, not Catholic. And a place where visitors encounter a strange phenomenon. Photos taken in the cemetery would sometimes be obscured by a thick mist that hadn't been visible to the eye, but sometimes the mist does become visible and leaves the uh, bystanders particularly unnerved. Uh, visitors to the cemetery at night have employed have reported encounters with this particular mist. Uh, it is said to form quickly and out of nowhere and soon engulf bystanders. The mist is said to form into the shape of a man with clearly distinguishable features such as face, eyes, and a beard. Uh, then, just as quickly as it rolled in, the apparition dissolves into the night air and is gone. Uh, speculation is that this is the misty specter of the hermit Francois Subrio who still lingers on the hill. Um, <clears throat> One interesting piece of art slash replica uh, that you will find at the Basilica Oratory on Holy Hill uh, is a finely crafted replica mm. of the famous Shroud of Turin. Oh, wow. Uh, the 14-foot cloth appears to be stained with faint impressions of a dead man's bloody body, abrasions, whip marks, and nail wounds are visible. Um, uh, the speculation among researchers... There is speculation am among researchers about its true or origins, uh, but the original being that it is rarely displayed to the public in Italy... Uh, so this encounter with the replica may be the closest you'll ever get to seeing the real thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the the Catholics, the Pope, the in, in general, they they keep a very very yeah, tight handle. Rome's on not those really well, on sharing secrets. Yeah, uh, for especially with the shroud, that one's it's deteriorating very quickly. Very rapidly. So the yeah, more they really bring can't out, hit yeah. 
air. So I don't think this is not. I don't think it's one of those ones that's like, oh, we don't want to share this. I think it's more of like, oh, we can't share this because we will lose right. it. Yeah, yeah, this is one of those things that it's. Yeah, yeah. but trust me, I'm on board. Like, I mean, it's say like the hide stuff. It's made <laughs> of woven cotton. It's natural fabric. It's it's yeah. It's gonna biodegrade. That's, that's actually pretty cool, though. Yeah. So now what we can do is we can roll this into the next apple. Yeah, oh, we're wow. not done yet. Uh, so, in the early hours, hours of November 9th of 2006, a Wisconsin DNR contractor named Steve Kruger was cleaning up roadkill from the back roads around Holy Hill when, job. <laughs> when he found an encounter he would never forget. Around 1.30 a.m., Kruger had just loaded a deer carcass from the side of the road into the back of his truck and climbed into the cab to do some paperwork. Suddenly, the truck began shaking, mm-hmm. and when Kruger looked up into his rearview mirror, mirror, he saw a huge hairy beast standing on its hind legs, <laughs> reaching down into the bed of the truck to drag the carcass from the open tailgate. Uh, this Kruger story is, I've heard. Kruger is quoted as saying, All I saw was the creature. One paw, or whatever it is, was reaching over to grab a deer. The head looked like a cross between a bear and a wolf. Uh, he described the creature as being dark colored with the snout of a, snout like a bear, but longer and big pointy ears like a wolf. Uh, he said it scared the living heck out of him. Uh, he threw it in the drive and tore off. Kruger later realized that the ATV ramps that he used to help load the uh, deer right. into the trail yeah, into the truck he did not go back. Uh, had also come out with the deer carcass. No, this is a different story that apparently sounds the same. Uh, so he returned to the scene to retrieve it. Uh, the creature, the carcass, and the ramps were nowhere to be found. <laughs> uh, he did apparently encount, uh, report the encounter to authorities, so the authorities reported the encounter to other authorities. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. You go get it. <laughs> <laughs> and local, re- local media reported it the following day as a Bigfoot sighting at Holy Hill. Some, lo- some locals laughed it off. Others refused to get the mail after dark. Um, Logical. <laughs> it makes sense. I will touch on this briefly, but then I will skip to the next story. Uh, also, another road commonly associated with Holy Hill because it is in the same area is Hogsback Road, which mm-hmm. is yeah. the Goatman of Hogsback Road. So we have two cryptids so far: right, a haunted cemetery, a murderous monk, and a church that just heals people for going there. Uh. The monk's just misty stuff, and that's all of it. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. But we're not done. So, on the way out to... This is, this is all just one, one On the location. way out to or from Holy Hill... Crazy shit. Uh, you will run into the town of Aaron, which if you look up Holy Hill on Google Maps, it is... The location says Aaron. Um... Minutes from the Holy Hill is the town of Aaron, is the uh, Tally Ho Pub and Grill. This historic building was established in the 1800s and served as a saloon, hotel, and general store. Uh, these days, it's a great place to grab some wings and a cold beer and also have an encounter with a sometimes violent poltergeist. Jesus. <laughs> sometimes violent. <laughs> sometimes violent. Okay, so I will tell the story because it's interesting. So, Mr. and Mrs. Rattenbach... Uh, owned the Tally Ho in the 1930s and are said to have operated a brothel there. Mr. Rottenbach was a violent drunk who put their daughter Emily to work 
serving up more than just drinks. Oh, wow. Uh, according like to the local guide to haunted places, uh, which is a guy from Washington County Paranormal, so shout out Washington County Paranormal. Yeah. Uh, Emily was born in 1905 and died at just 31 years old. Legend says that Emily was murdered in the tallyho and buried in the basement beneath a pile of rocks. Jesus. Uh, today, most visitors are fortunate enough to just catch the scent of lavender, lavender and lemon balm as she passes by unseen. Others have seen her as an apparition in white, typical lady in white story. Mm-hmm. Uh, doors open and close on their own. Voices are heard whispering in the dark after bar close. And footsteps are heard walking in the basement. But an unlucky few, usually men, have had more harrowing encounters with Emily. In the kitchen, knives have a tendency to come flying off a magnetic strip above the sink. On two separate occasions, cooks have been attacked by them and both required stitches. (laughs) I said medium rare. (laughs) A man who lived in an apartment above the bar often woke in the middle of the night to find his coverings had been torn off of him while he slept, and his valuable possessions would frequently go missing, never to be found again. He believed that he was being personally targeted by Emily and eventually moved out to escape her torment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was a Rottenbach family in the area. Emily was the daughter of Charles and Louise Rottenbach, was born in Ridgefield in 1905 and died 31 years later in 1936. Uh, but she was married to a man named Erwin Ruig and has a grave in the Faith Church of Christ Cemetery in Slinger. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's the Tally Ho pub on the way out of Hogsback yeah. Road, where the goat man is. Yeah. On the way of out of Holy Hill, where the bear wolf is, and the replica of the Shroud of Turin. Don't and live there. The Haunted Cemetery. Don't live there. With a murderous monk. <laughs> That's some insane shit right there. Yeah, no, the the, the one about the, the deer being slaughtered on the back of the thing, that reminded me of the one the goat man thing. Right. That, that it can only be killed by, like, certain things. I think one of them was, like, lemongrass. Who? Or yeah. lemons or something like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I, I read about that one. I'm like... Yeah, and that's the thing, though. That was right? after you said it, though, so I couldn't... Yeah. That's the thing, though, right, is cryptids are funny that way. Like, nobody really knows to make them. They're more legend and folklore yeah. stories, and it's and like... And they just make up, make up stuff. That's all it is. Like, I saw this big thing grab a deer carcass out of my truck. I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure a lemon will kill it. A <laughs> <laughs> lemon. Uh, so, to be fair, like I said, I think this one's different, but I... Th- think if you watch like the special on the beast of bray road on uh like uh amazon prime i think this is one of the stories that's told even though i don't think holy hill i don't don't quote me because i didn't i didn't see bray road near holy hill but uh so holy hill looks like it's about and milwaukee is like right on the southeast corner right and Holy Hill, by the map, looked like it was about an hour to, like, the northwest well, of, like, close Milwaukee. enough, though. I mean, face it, we're in America. It's huge. So an it's hour huge. is, like, skipping a jump away. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I was like, I, I found a winner. There's, like, 20 different hauntings in this one little fucking place. See, that normally sounds like a story of mine where it's all over the freaking place. <laughs> right? I just, I love how you managed to find all these stories that are, like, in this teeny tiny little space. 
and somehow all have a connection <laughs> to each other. It's just, it's the weird, it's weird. It's Alex. True, true. <laughs> My runner-up was the town of Siren, where apparently a car... Yeah. Did you see that yeah, one? I did see that one. Where the car went over the bridge with three people in it, yep. and none of them made it. And yeah. now, like, there is... Like, you can hear, like, the screams of the family and stuff if you go over yep. the bridge. Oh, and that's also that. the same one with the Bloody Bride, I think. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, the super creepiest part of the Siren one, with the Siren Bridge, yeah. is that... You can hear the little girl screaming, Mommy, Mommy, I can't get out. Yeah. And the thing is, it goes over your radio if you're going over the bridge in your car. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So, like, the electromagnetics fucks with your radio waves, and, like, that's what you hear through your radio in your car. Dude, if I heard that, I would be fucked up for life. I would need some serious therapy. That is Yeah, which is totally a weird thing, Joe. So, you give that, like, like, no, no, no. I was just thinking about radio. Any electromagnet? Sorry, I, my mind went. Squirrel <laughs> for a second, you know. Yeah, I was just like, hmm, radio. What if we took a radio? No, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I definitely loved, 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 loved this this whole. It, it, it's weird because Wisconsin is filled with that kind of stuff, right? Yes. There. Right. It's yeah. just like that's what I was like. Are you are y'all all right over there? It's <laughs> like, some, I'm seriously concerned about you guys. Yeah. Right? The stories yeah. do not end in Wisconsin. Like I know. You guys are not safe. I mean, kind of can't wait to get back there on the next round. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Like, we try to typically stay away from like cryptids, just yeah. because we want to go with like stuff that we can kind of excuse me prove or something like that. Yeah, well, you know, like because difficult. we can prove ghosts. Mm. Well, but there is documented evidence of like there's pictures and everything. Finding a picture of Bigfoot is it, well, they're out there, but you can't tell if it's real. It's, I mean, it's, so. there's there's definitely there's definitely evidence for both. I mean, I think the reason that I don't know, I personally just I don't know. No, realistically, I, I, I aim for cryptids every once in a while just to mix it up. But. Right, so do I. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, we typically steer away from that because it's not. It, I don't know. When we first set this up, we said stay away from cryptids, right? Well, yeah, because I mean, I think that for me, it's always been like, yeah, we're paranormal investigation. Right. Cryptids are, are definitely considered paranormal. But it's a different aspect of it. Yeah, right. it's a different aspect of paranormal. I think originally our focus was to try to not veer into it too much, but you know what? No, no. Sometimes I, shit happens. To be honest with you, sometimes fun. a good cryptid story is just what you need. Facts. Facts. Kind of like, oh, that's interesting. It's it always did. the same thing, but it's cool. <laughs> and to be fair, like prior to uh, doing our round of states, uh, I think that's why we let in with certain um, topics that were just let's tell our folklore stories here. Let's sure, go ahead right? and get it out. You know. Oh, oh, the, let's not joke around. We all enjoy folklore. So oh, like there's so much to unwrap in a folklore story. This is absolutely, like, hey. absolutely. Because you know, some of them start with like a little tiny hint of truth, and then it becomes you know a. Uh, a kid's cautionary the tale. Don't and go God out came down dark. Yeah. yeah, crazy. It's, it's true. So, like, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you guys one better. Uh, a short, a very short podcast that I listen to. When I say short, they're the episodes are usually like thirty to forty-five minutes. Uh, that you guys should all check out. Uh, shout out to the podcast Tales. Yeah, Tales is nothing but like old folklore, folklore stories. Where the story originated, what the story was initially about. Yeah. I don't think I've heard of them. No, I've heard of it. That's awesome. I chased a lot of podcasts for so for the listeners out there. 
my job is I spend a lot of time in a car, like all day long. <laughs> right. So when you literally drive for your job for like eight to ten hours a day, like yeah. give me podcasts because sometimes five minute songs just don't cut it, and I get tired right. of hearing the same ten on cycle. And then not only that, but your for some reason your phone always kicks in one song that you don't really want to hear that you got pulled out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good your playlist is, it's never good enough. <laughs> Man, I was listening to that on a dark day. I need to turn that. <laughs> Not today. There, 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 are, there are so many amazing podcasts. Love you, Breaking Benjamin, really but you like. put me in a mood. <laughs> yeah, Ben, dude, you do put people in a mood. It's, it's a good mood. But I, I think we're sliding off topic yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, it's, Wisconsin, man, it's a trip. I'll give yeah, it that. Yeah, it was fun. That was definitely a fun it's trip. It's weird because passing through it, like you just see these big ass fields. Like, so you don't think anything there, but apparently Wisconsin is a hotbed of paranormal I th- activity. I think so. in hindsight, uh, when I started to do research, when I went back and looked at all the shit that I've ever heard of, I think I just didn't realize that a lot of it was in Wisconsin. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I never knew Al Capone was originally from there. Right. And then when I was looking at his house, I'm like, Wait, he lived. He like wait a second. I was in Chicago, but look, oh okay. Yeah, but so it's like going to a concert and you hear the openers and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that I knew this many songs from them. Right. So (laughs) so Capone was actually born in Brooklyn. (laughs) He was born in Brooklyn, New York, um, and he died in Miami, Florida. Um, But yeah, yeah, he did. He lived in Milwaukee for a good long while. But I, I, I do have kind of an interesting theory. You kind of sparked it when, I, when you were telling your story. I kind of thought about it a little bit. Um, the disembodied voice. Yeah. What if that's not actually a ghost and it's just the echoes of the house? That's a really interesting theory. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know that I have... It, it's just thrown out there. Listeners, you can think about it. <laughs> Well, what I mean, I do definitely, I mean, you know, you, you have that old saying, you know, fly on the wall kind of thing. You know, if, if this house could talk, um, what would it say? That kind of thing, if walls could talk. And and what if, I mean, we know that we can go into places that are said to be haunted and they, wood, old wood, old drywall, old furniture can hold smells. If someone smoked right. in the home, you could, you know, smell their cigar smoke you know a hundred years after right. they no longer smoked in the home um you know what if what if other things were held the same way uh that's easy here let me blow your mind further uh what if residual hauntings have nothing to do with anything but the home the home the land the wood the whatever it's sunk into it's yep. like, yeah yeah the energy imprint it's a literal record yeah yeah so we're just on repeat that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Well, yeah. I, I, me and you have talked about that plenty of times. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. Good yeah. shit. So let's talk about the podcast. Who are we doing next week? Uh, How did you say that? Who are we doing next week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next week is uh, the state that we... Well... The state that I made an executive decision on that, hey, we're doing Wisconsin. These two are still tied. We're still in Wisconsin. So what about those two tied? Have they done anything? Uh, so Wisconsin was one that was tied with Washington. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, you owe me one. Uh, I will mention you in my posts on the uh, other pages that I share with. 
uh, so that you know to listen. But the other state with Wisconsin was Washington, which Washington has doubled its listeners. Wisconsin has not moved. So, Wisconsin, you owe me one. You better be listening this week. Oh, wow. Wisconsin, <laughs> we chose to do you, and then you guys didn't give us a single download this week? Hmm. It still just blows my mind that we say this, and as soon as we start that little competition, it was like, ping, 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 ping. So, that's just uh, so yeah, Wisconsin has awesome. doubled itself. So, Washington, I'm sorry, is the one that's doubled itself. So, next week will be Washington. State, State not D.C. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm insanely excited to do Washington State. I'm curious to hear some stories. <laughs> I mean, I could sit here and start telling you stories right now. and I'm You're literally blushing like a pregnant woman. I, what is going I, like, on? I <laughs> love Washington State. Not, I mean, you could talk about ghosts for like days you can I talk s- about cryptids for days um it's i just, swear to be oh. jesus if you pick twilight i'm gonna hit you fuck so i'm a big fan of like the nature out there and the scenery and yeah. i love the climate out there so to be honest with you, outside of like the very few famous like places uh yeah. like the seattle underground and shit like that like oh yeah i, I don't really know of many it's still Washington haunting, so like I'm gonna be super interested to dive into So this I one. for sure I, I know a lot. Yeah. It lot. still upsets me to this day that I was in Seattle and missed and didn't get to go to some Because I places. didn't get a chance to do it to go to the Chinese underground. Oh. I was so mad about that. Because that was one of the things I wanted to hit up and I I was gonna go by myself, but I think they, time closed I was they were closed. Early too, yeah. Don't they? yeah. I couldn't get out of class it's like early six enough. in the afternoon or we, something. We, like we that. could we could talk about we could talk about the Chinese underground. We could talk about, you know, there's so many super, oh, super famous too. ones. I, I don't know. I'm actually hungry for Chinese, too. Um, do, do, do. Yeah, we could talk about, you know, I mean, come on, the Viper Room. Probably one of the what most popular about? haunted stories That's that ever would exist. in Seattle. The Vi- You're right. It's in Los Angeles. I'm sorry. <laughs> on the wrong, on the right coast. I'm on the right, right coast. I'm at the wrong end of the right coast. You're here. I'm gonna need you down. There's, I'm gonna need you down. <laughs> I'm out. So there's, there's, there's just 800 million different places in in Seattle and surrounding areas that have got some amazing fucking haunting history, and I am so excited. I have been. Yeah, it is no. one of my favorite places. I'm just saying, I haven't been or heard about any hauntings. You know, uh, I've been waiting for you, Washington. We're gonna have fun together. When I was there, I was way younger, so like Wait. there was no like haunted stuff that I was looking up back then. Did we do Washington? No. No. Nope. It was one of the ones that was on the list that was tied. Yeah, I know, but I I remember us talking about Washington or something. Mm-mm. Or no, 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 it was just a story that you shared. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I double checked the uh, state yeah, yeah, list from. Yeah. Sp- and to be fair, this week, this week ish. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and write down a list of the states so I can cross off the ones we've done so I don't have to cross-reference in the middle of recording the podcast. That's actually a good idea. <laughs> because really good now idea. that... I, I suggest that when we start... I think I never took into consideration that states are, like, leapfrogging each other so, like, yeah. all of it yeah. falls out of order. We might start a civil war. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. I, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited. There's so many good ones. No, so that should much. be pretty good. Um... So as it looks from right now, it would be Washington State this coming up week with uh, Kentucky on deck. Woo, Kentucky. Let's see if you can get that up there, Kentucky, because it looks like we're coming to see you this summer. Mm -hmm. We're coming. 
And there's a couple others that aren't That's far behind. So uh, yeah, keep, yeah. keep your game up, Kentucky. So I promise we will not do our Kentucky episode about Waverly <coughs> Hills because everyone talks about Waverly Hills. I think that tends to break <coughs> our normal rule of let's not do the famous exactly. places anyway. Yeah. But we will be in Louisville this summer. So spring. I mean, here we come. And this is the weird thing, because this is what I kind of try to look up when I'm looking up stories. We've always had that rule of, like, not the famous ones. Yeah. Because everybody talks about it. But yet, they're famous in their own town. True. True. So, you get where I'm going with this. It's like, I mean, yeah, they're not worldly famous, but they're famous there. You're right, because to be fair, I mean, yes and no. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, you're right. I would say there's probably like a top ten list on the U.S. Right. where like there's right. ten like the Winchester House, exactly. Waverly yeah. Hills, Penhurst. Yeah. Despite the fact that we're going to go to Trans Allegheny, I'm not going to f- tell a story about Trans Allegheny because if you don't know what it is by now, watch any Ghost Hunter show. I mean, with I that said, though, with that <laughs> said, type it into YouTube. This we were not prepared before. We'll probably get the orchestra, but. And this is just a quick idea, and you guys can totally shoot it down if you want to. But audience, okay, sure, I, I would love to hear you your take as well. We were absolutely not prepared on our last big investigations to do anything worthwhile as far as for posting for podcasts or anything like that. Well, we've got a YouTube. Because it wasn't channel. a thing back then. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, even just since no lights no, has been in the modern time, um, I think that we should kick off my birthday specifically with doing uh, filming content from uh, Madison Seminary that we can put on our YouTube channel. I think that, this is what I'll say, I think that it would take time to <coughs> edit a an investigation video. Yep. Uh, what I will say right now is like I'm willing to do that. I think we should at, at least collect it. What? I think we should at least collect the material that we would need to potentially do that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is in in smashing all of that down (laughs) and editing it in editing it into like time frame wise. Yes, editing it into like a show format would be fine. uh, The point that I was getting at before we jump the gun on it to just nix it completely because a lot of these places just are not set up for it is. I, I don't know that live streaming from places yeah. is ever going to be a thing. No, I'm a lot of them just don't have Wi-Fi and shit like that. Right. So. I most right. definitely. I know for a fact that we're not going to be able to live stream from a place, especially a place like Madison. I mean, hell, we're going to be going. She's in talking there. about like doing a YouTube recording thing. Yeah. yeah, we're going to be going in there with winter coats because the building doesn't even have heating, and we're going to be there in the middle of January. I get to wear my hat. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's which, to be fair, that just means I'll be wearing a hoodie because the upstairs was fucking hot last time. Well, it's, yeah. I was speaking to the owner, and it is not fucking hot in the winter. Matter of fact, he said it's... Well, he didn't say fucking. He said it gets quite cold. Well, it's winter. Right. Uh, but I think he meant, like, stupid cold. It's typical brick buildings, right? So in the summertime, bricks hold in the heat. In the wintertime, after not. those bricks get cold, they just stay cold Especially with a lot of longer. windows. they got a lot of windows in the place that radiate the, the cold, too. So, I wonder yeah. if that will make things more active. I don't know. One thing I did say to him, though, is I was like, you know, Sorry. maybe if we can you know, advertise enough, boost popularity enough, get enough people in there to pay for overnights... You know, maybe maybe we're going to be having a different conversation here in two, three, four, five years, and we'll actually be able to get some heating in that building, and and that would that's a huge, huge goal 
of Madison at this point is to have enough to upgrade, you know, their heating and cooling system, you know, make sure that the windows are good, et cetera, et cetera. No. So got to make sure the ghosts are warm. Exactly. <laughs> So that's that's a huge. I don't think they need them there. More likely the people investigating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a huge part of what we what wow. we are doing when we're going to investigate we these places. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so so remember when you're paying these these fees to go see these big places, uh, it is for a purpose. Uh, don't don't get butthurt about it. Yes, they're capitalizing off of something like that, but at the same time, we're saving history. So please help them save history. Your roof costs about five thousand dollars to replace. Their roof costs about fifty. Exactly. They have to have it built with certain materials. I would right. say trust the person that's doing it. Learn them because there are some people who do it. Take advantage of that. There are it's some true. super shitty people. But there are some right? really really good people. More of the really good people than the shitty people. But just get to know the person that owns it that's it right first, yeah. that's right preserve our history but don't line the pockets of the owners in the process <laughs> yeah i mean to be fair if you're talking about one of these affordable places like madison is a very fair price extraordinarily very affordable. affordable we're talking like the the five range it's not even yeah. like to the thousand dollars yeah i can still handle that on a, so on a if week when, if, I'm, when if i have you're talking about one of these places that's there. affordable like that um just go enough that you develop a rapport with these people. Like, ask, yeah. uh, and then you yeah. know the person, right? And, 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 Actually, half the time, these people are really down to earth and really cool. Exactly. Let alone, if you if you get a reasonably priced place like that, um, it's really easy for you to be able to go more often. So you actually can do almost like a case study, if you will. <laughs> You know, get familiar yeah. with the place and develop a rapport with the ghosts. Actually, yeah, exactly. One of the things I love the most is meeting the owners of the places. They give us like the little tour around the place and all that. Is like they almost treat the things that are happening there as like their own history, almost like family. Very commonplace. And they're like, oh yeah, because we'll say something like, hey man, what's that over there? We're kind of getting something over there. And they're like, so oh, they're don't like, worry, oh, yeah, it's just that's just Doug. Yeah, it's just <laughs> Doug. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, hold yeah. on to your wallet. <laughs> right. That's crazy Uncle Ed staggering up the stairs. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, I think I love it. I think so that was uh I think that's pretty much it, guys. I dig it. Yeah. Well Hell Washington State, we will see you uh next week. Until then, please send us your stories, your comments, your questions. Um, and, and any other cool shit that you can think of, write to us at um, nolightsparanormal at gmail.com. Uh, listen and share the podcast, please. That's the only way that we grow and spread the message. Uh, and then, of course, you can find us on Facebook at No Lights Paranormal. You can find us on Twitter at No Lights Para or No Lights Ghosts. And uh, I think that's about it for the socials. Same yep. ghost so, same ghost channel. Dare I say it? Fuck with it. Do it! Don't. No, don't. Don't fuck with Baba Yaga. Don't do it. <laughs>